All right. Hi, Jill. Hi, Aaliyah. <laughs> um, I guess I should do a little intro. Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Aaliyah, and welcome to the RISE podcast. Um, RISE stands for Resiliency, Identity, Strength, and Empowerment. And the goal of this podcast is to connect with different guests and hear their stories and how um, RISE has impacted or affected their lives and uh, hopefully get some motivation out of it. I love that. So today we have Jill Glasnap, uh, owner of many businesses, (laughs) Um, also my coach, which is pretty cool. So welcome, Jill. Thank you. And uh, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Um, So I'm Jill. (laughs) I was uh, born and raised in Wisconsin on a farm. I'm a two-time national champ wrestler. Um, I wrestled all through high school. Uh, And out of high school, I joined the Army, where I served for 13 years as a military police officer. I deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan and uh, got kind of hurt. And I don't know, life just happens and my goals and focuses change. So I got out of the army and uh, pursued CrossFit. And I've been coaching CrossFit since 2013, but I've been a fitness, I've been in the fitness industry. I did what you did actually, became an army master fitness trainer in 2000 and have been coaching and uh, programming since way back when 22 years now which is crazy it'll be 22 (laughs) years in June um yeah and then I came when I first got out of the military did a couple different jobs um helping veterans is a big passion of mine uh so I kind of pursued that for a little bit and then I discovered I can do all of that with CrossFit uh so now I own Cobra Command uh I'm the head coach for Grit Performance uh which has a bunch of awesome athletes like yourself Um, and then I also am the co-owner of functional eating and I oversee operations of functional eating. Um, and then I have a couple apps and a business coaching, uh, company. So a whole bunch of different stuff going on. Yeah. Well, I see opportunity and seize it, right? Like that's that's the goal. So, so, uh, it sounds like from the beginning, you have kind of inserted yourself into, typically what we would think as like male dominated (laughs) things, wrestling, the military, specifically military police, and then becoming a business owner. How has that, has that impacted you being a female in, you know, mostly what we see as male dominated things? Certainly has impacted me. Um, But I think the older I get, the more uh, clarity I have on that. I think when I was young, I was just up for a challenge. So I always sought out opportunities that were challenging. Um, To be honest, if you read my bio anywhere, I talk about that I was the test dummy for wrestling in my house. And one day I just got sick of it and started beating on everybody. (laughs) Uh, So that's kind of how wrestling came to be. But um, my dad was amazing Um, and he always basically raised me from the get-go that I could do anything that I wanted. And my gender didn't stop that. Um, so I think when I was young, it was just like, I can do it. I'm a girl. I might be the only girl doing it. And it kind of started there. And now as an adult, I look at it more like I'm creating space for more females 
to get into those spaces. Like now I'm seasoned enough and I have strong enough leadership that I can, I can create space. That's awesome. So that's kind of what I'm trying to do, especially with business coaching and CrossFit, both. Um, I think CrossFit is so inclusive and welcoming and there's space for it, but there's not a lot of females who have tenure Mm -hmm. um, or it's not talked about enough. There's plenty who have tenure. It's just not talked about often and like at the highest level, certainly uh, not as much as on the male side of the house. Let's just open it up because they exist and they're rocking it. And yeah, that's awesome. It's cool. Yeah. Um, did you grow up with brothers? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I have two brothers. I have two baby brothers. I'm the oldest. If you get to know me, you know I'm the oldest. There's no question I'm the oldest, <laughs> right? Like firstborn, got all those traits. <laughs> um, but yeah, I have two brothers. Um, and I grew up, um, I just grew up in a very tomboyish environment, like on a farm in Wisconsin super rural it just is what it is so. it's cool that your dad encouraged you though it sounds like from a young age yeah to, you know it doesn't matter that you're a girl you can do what you want to do regardless of what it is true story when I was a kid I felt like that freedom was a blessing and a curse um like obviously I loved it when it worked for me but then it also led to like you start doing some of those things and then it felt like expectations and it felt like um, you were letting people down. But again, as you get clarity, as you're older, those are all the things that made me stronger for the bigger things that were coming. Yeah. Um, and he didn't actually have any of those expectations. It's just was my perception. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like he was Absolutely. proud of me no matter what. And <laughs> it's pretty awesome to have that support and encouragement. So. Yeah. I feel like the people who put the most pressure on themselves, a lot of times we think it's an external pressure, but it usually ends up being our own internal pressure that we put on ourselves. But I feel like that's what drives a lot of people it's, to be successful. It's so funny that you say that because I literally just read a study um, about business, like most business owners grew up in a house with high standards, but that led to high self personal expectation, which is what led to success. Yeah. Um, like it's, like I said, it can be a blessing and a curse because it gives you all the strength to drive, but then also like everyone needs to take a step back and recognize when they like recognize the journey and recognize the end point. Because when you're like that, like I'm so driven, sometimes I forget to like look around and look at what I've created and look at what it has happened because I'm just moving to the next thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it's really funny because as a coach, I tell all of you guys to do it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> gotta remember funny. where you came from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or like it doesn't feel like you've come far, but when you look over your shoulder, it's like, oh my gosh, yeah. I've come so far. That's like, cool. yeah. So you've brought up a couple of times um clarity. Mm-hmm. And that to me kind of sounds similar to developing your identity maybe yeah I could Um, I could see that how like what has that process been like and how have you has it just happened naturally have you done specific things to try and get to that point Leah you're gonna make me bust into stuff I've never talked about before (laughs) okay um so I definitely think clarity and identity and um, maybe even trauma all come together. Trauma is a tough word. I don't mean it like 
like an acute trauma, but like, um, I think as you get older and you start to see things in 2020 vision or you're, or you're removed from it. So you can see the whole obstacle instead of just like what's directly in front of you. You can see the forest instead of the tree. Yeah. (laughs) Um, that things become more clear and you have a better understanding of your identity or better yet, a better understanding of your reactions. Okay. Um, so a, a lot of your personality, which is not identity, but they run parallel, um, can be developed in your primal brain. And you don't even know why you respond away or why you do a thing away. And as you get older, you start to realize I can control those, or I can change those, or I can think differently. I can change the thoughts going through my mind. Um, and that helps you um, identify like, oh, I am always up for a challenge. I am a risk taker and all those like tags and, and labels that we put on things. Right. But what it really does is just help you get to know yourself better and your identity and what's identity versus what's true to you. Mm-hmm. And that lets you re- release what you don't want and keep what you do want. I don't know if I answered your question, <laughs> but I feel like I did. Yeah. Um, I've been on a long path to it. (laughs) So I feel like um, because I was always up for a challenge, sometimes I did things that were not for me specifically. um, And they might've been like for a greater good, like the military, right? There's things you do in the military that you might not choose to do, um, but they're for the greater good, right? Um, And then there's sometimes when um, like the title of soldier or like the title of commander. Um, I, I'll t- I talk about this a lot. Like I was a company commander. I got injured. Well, I was a platoon leader and got injured the first time with my left hip, but I'm a leader. So I have to keep pushing through. So that label or that position that I was in took a bigger precedence than my actual being. Um, so I pounded through and it led to injury. Right. And then when I was a commander, I re-aggravated said injury and pounded through. And then as I got older and understood more, I'm like, I'm more of a value. If I take care of myself physically, mentally, emotionally, and then, um, help others who are on this path. And that's my purpose. And that's my actual identity. It's not the person I, am, I had to do the hard things to be able to become that person, but I don't have to do all the hard things now. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So. Um, I know also being in the military myself, one of the things that I struggle with is trying not to lose myself mm-hmm. in the military because it's very easy to lose your, your sense of self and individuality and your identity yeah. and just have your entire being defined by I'm in the military I'm a soldier this is who I am this is what I do yeah that's everything um and every every job every role every volunteer uh activity every extracurricular you do in life could lead to that it's not like the military is a great picture of it (laughs) but every like being a crossfit athlete can lead to that being a crossfit coach can lead to that um the best way to combat it though or not even it's not like you have to actively combat it but the best way to stay true to yourself is to create space for yourself yeah so so how 
when you were in the military, did you realize that that was happening? And, and how did mm-hmm. you create that space? Um, I certainly recognized it at moments in my military career that it was happening. And normally um, it was because like I had some kind of like, I mean, this is going to be cliche because of yesterday, but um, <laughs> like I had a longing or discontent that like wasn't um, being fulfilled. Like there was something I longed to do or something that I felt was missing in my life. And normally that's an indicator that like you need to spend a little bit more time for you and what and what fills your cup and what fills your heart. Or you're just like super discontent with something, right? Like I, I had in the military, it's so easy because you get to move jobs on a relatively normal like timeline. So like, right, is that discontent starting to creep up? It's time to move to the next thing, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? But um, when I didn't rec- I didn't know in those terms that that was what was happening when I was in the military, but that is what was happening. And I did like create time. I started when I was in the military is when I started solo traveling and like just going on vacations by myself and creating space to like just do what was in my heart or like not be on a timeline. Cause man, that's the first thing the military like teaches <laughs> you is to fill your schedule. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like all of those things. So um, like solo travel is a way that I started to like, when I recognize some of those things coming up, like create space for that. And then uh, like, we also say in the military, like if you're only doing PT, you're not getting better at PT, Yeah, PT being physical training. Um, but I would like go do, cl- I used to do a ton of spin classes. Like that was my space. That's where I took care of me, created okay. space for me. Um, and then of course, like just structured family time or friend time, like that kind of stuff. But now looking back, like, man, I wish I would have taken, like, I wish I would have set parameters on my actual schedule and like created boundaries because the bet like the people who have the best boundaries are the best leaders because they know what they need to be able to give back yeah yeah you know but again that's what you learn as you go and you get older and you see clearer and all those things yeah um one of the things that I have learned through my time as a leader is you can't take care of people if you're not taking care of yourself. Yes. And in a way, being a leader, you have to be selfish because if you if you don't have that small level of selfishness to take care of yourself, you're failing the mm-hmm. people that you're leading. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're snippy or you're tired or you're missing details or whatever it is. I mean, that applies to ev- everything. Moms, yeah. uh, dads. <laughs> uh, I mean, if you have a high school athlete, I'm sorry. <laughs> like I'm sorry for the life that we've created on that front um but yeah it's so true and better yet though taking that time for yourself also creates space for those other people to step up and develop into those spots I just took a 10-day trip to Costa Rica and it was very short notice and you all my athletes know I was very emotional about it because I didn't like how short notice it was um but I will tell you that it was one of the coolest things one of the coolest things happened that I didn't expect I knew that the gym wasn't going to burn down I knew it was going to run but not only did it run but literally when I came back it was like it ran so well that I was like oh I can be gone way more than I thought I could be and I can 
cut back on my hours in the gym to do some of the other things that are important to me uh, and it will be just fine. And it's because I created space for them to step up and show me that. And it's pretty awesome because now they're getting more hours. They're making a better living, like all of those things that just come together. Yeah. Yeah. I will say you seemed like a completely different person when you came back from Costa Rica. Maybe. Um, (laughs) Has it worn off since? I don't think fully. I think there's still some of There's hope. There's hope in there. Um, Can you talk about, you know, Mm -hmm. some of the things that happened on that trip and maybe how they... I'm going to relate it back to your last question because it actually plays to that a little bit. Um, So part of like clarity and understanding my identity and getting to know like all aspects of me um, in the last, I don't know, like five years, I've done a lot more of like mental clarity kind of workshops and like life vision workshops. I started working with like a life coach just to help bring more harmony. I don't like the word balance because there's no balance. It's just what you're passionate about is always going to be the thing that takes the most. Um, But if you can bring harmony to all aspects of your life. um, And then part of that is like spiritual, whether that's going to church for you or spending time in nature, which it just happens to be for me. Um, So I went to Costa Rica on, um, it was like a yoga meditation um, kind of workshop thing, but I also got asked to speak. So I went with an organization called um, uh, Veterans of War. And um, they help veterans who are, are out, obviously out of the military, um, but they help them find natural means, um, which can be through plant medicines or meditation or whatever, to kind of deal with past traumas, um, whether it's military sexual uh, trauma or PTSD or what, I mean, they, they like work with the whole gamut. Um, But I was able to attend to work on myself and those traumas that I have from that we all have, everyone has them um, from their life. And that's part of what like leads us on our journey and makes us who we are. But um, it was also cool because I got to talk a little bit about some of the cool things that I'm doing in business and like how having a vision has helped me like overcome some of those traumas and some of those experiences that for some people because they don't have a healthy outlet would maybe pull them down. But because of uh, me, like really getting into myself and learning that I love meditation and breath work is actually meditation for me, which in the sports world, we just think about it as like VO2 expansion or like a lung capacity expansion, but like there's so much you can do with breath work. Uh, so it was really cool. I got to go for 10 days to Costa Rica, meet some awesome ladies um, do some meditations, do some yoga, do some plant medicine stuff, which is a whole nother realm that we're not going to talk about right now, but it's a whole nother realm. Um, and just reconnect with nature. Um, and that's why I feel like I came back different because I also put my phone down. Mind you, they announced a CrossFit open workout while I was gone. So one day I was up on my computer, like, ah, like making sure everything was set for your, for all the grit athletes. Uh, to do the open. As an athlete, that was much appreciated. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I did my dang just to make sure everything was set. Um, But it really gave me an opportunity to like um, do some meditation where I got some very clear, um, I got some very clear messages from my higher self, right? Like, because you're just connecting with yourself at a level where you can hear a little bit better. 
um, that like I needed more harmony. I needed to like bring my calendar calendar into check. I needed to um, figure out how to get away from tasks I don't love because there's somebody in the world who does love that task and wants to do it or needs an opportunity to grow. Uh, and that that will free up bandwidth for other things that I love and want to grow. So I came back with a little bit more clear um, like life purpose and vision on that front. Okay. Um, and the hard part of all of that is though, like once you connect with yourself and you start to see that the hard part is putting it into action because of uh, the constraints and um, I don't know, uh, conditioning, mm -hmm. tough word of yeah. our world <laughs> and like how we're kind of um, like what we're made to make important and focus on and like what media feeds us and all of that can make it hard to stay on path to that stuff. Yeah, Like we all have bills to pay. Yeah. We all have inflation to deal with. Um, but it, you can just take baby steps, make decisions towards whatever you're going for. And I came back with a little bit of clarity on that. So, and a whole lot more Zen girl, <laughs> a whole lot more Zen. So I feel like I'm always a little bit Zen though, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm happy to hear that. Um, so do you have any strategies that you use to kind of keep yourself going back to, hey, I need to take these action steps to be true to who I am? Um, how, how do you keep yeah. on that path and kind of like tune out yeah. what the, the world and the media wants to pull us into? So the best thing that any human can do to, to keep on track, whether it's goal, whether you call it goals or your life purpose or your life vision, whatever word it is, it all is moving in the same direction. The best thing you can do is find people who are like you and who are trying to go where you are or who are already at the point you're trying to go to and create a group of people uh, or a mastermind group or somebody where you can create a little bit of accountability, um, but also people who are operating at the level that you are. So it helps keep you on track. You're helping each other just in your normal interactions. Mm -hmm. um, and this is hard. And this is one of those life lessons you learn as you get older, but like people operate at all different levels. And if you're constantly around people who are operating at a level lower than you, it's going to pull your operation down. That's why you want to be with people who are at the same level or higher, because it's just going to help you move closer and closer to that. Yeah. Um, so I've been really lucky in that I have surrounded myself with people who I love and who are moving in the same direction I am. Maybe not at the same pace I am. Like I told you, I'm a risk taker. <laughs> I'm not scared of throwing, like it's calculated risk, but I'm not afraid to throw big things at it to make it happen. Where some people might not feel that same way and that's okay, we're all different. Um, but there's people all around me challenging me to be better and then encouraging me to take those steps and to do those things and helping put fear into perspective because fear is almost 90% in our brain. <laughs> so I think I've told you this, but like athletes operating at the highest level of output are still only operating at about 60% of total human capacity for output. That means we got 40 more percent. That means Usain Bolt could run 40% faster. <laughs> 
Like, think about that. That's scary. But if you have people around you who believe that you can do that, then you can get 5% better. You can get 1% better today. Yeah. I even feel that, um, you know, moving myself, moving out here specifically to train with you and to train with athletes who are here that can push me to that next level. Um, You know, I had a a great coach back in New Jersey and I had um, a good community, but it wasn't the competitive level that I needed. And Mm -hmm. just in the six months that I've been here has been massive improvements that I never even thought I was capable of. And I know this (laughs) is going to sound crazy coming out of my mouth, but the day will come if you continue on this path of upward trajectory that we won't be enough anymore. And then you'll have to love, you know, but that's the beauty of CrossFit. (laughs) Like, I mean, hopefully we're leveling as you are leveling too. So we're expanding that timeline, but like, like I went to the aerobic capacity, um, workshop, uh, and did it with Chris Henshaw a few weeks ago. And he was like, since I started to where I am now, we've made 10 like light year jumps, right? Like humongous jumps. He's like, but I'm teaching all of you this. I have to be 10 steps ahead of this. If I want to stay relevant. Well, that, that is the nature of CrossFit right there. And that, and that's where we are. Like, so you made a 10 year, a 10 light year (laughs) jump, but the day will come when you have to make that next jump to keep progressing. And that's, pretty amazing that our sport just keeps jumping like that and that there's people like me and you and Chris Hinshaw and Ben Bergeron and Matt Frazier and Jacob Heppner and all of these people who are trying like to figure out how to make those jumps with it like yeah it's pretty cool but the day will come when we're the old you know we're the old wise men talking about the the OG days back in the OG days when CrossFit back in 2010, 2011, you know what I mean? Like, um, and that's okay because it's just going to keep progressing just like fitness has, just like sports in general have, it's just going to keep progressing. And that's awesome. That's really cool. Um, and kind of tying it back to, uh, you know, the four core values of this podcast. Um, Mm -hmm. so making those big advances is really cool, but also really scary. And thinking about, um, you know, the, the resilience it requires to maintain that flexibility and understand that change is okay and change can be good. Um, how do you kind of maintain that perspective on things and not get scared of the changes? Um, so I truly believe in my heart to heart whether you believe in God, universe, source, whatever term you use for it, is that if you look at a plant from seed all the way through all of its seasons, right? Its entire life, if you look at a tree, it starts as a seed and it will grow hundreds of years skyward, getting bigger, bigger and ever expansive, right? We are all meant to be ever expansive. We are meant to grow and change and continue to get bigger and take up more space because we're becoming and we're learning and we're turning into like this wise old tree that just takes up the forest and it's creating cover for the saplings underneath. And like, it's creating a space where everything can grow safely underneath it and it's nurturing everything else around it, but it continues to grow and change and evolve and go through the seasons of life, right? I truly believe that in my heart of hearts. So if you believe that, 
if you truly believe that we're, we live in an ever expansive universe and that God wants you to succeed, source, universe, whatever it is, wants you to be on an upward trajectory, then you're not like fear is an element, but fear, fear means growth. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that you won't fail. It doesn't mean that you won't like have to learn a new way around an obstacle. That's what helps you get wider and take up more space is those, those things. Cause if we just grew in one straight line, the wind would blow and we blow over, right? Like you have to grow in every direction and failure helps you do that. So speaking of failure, <laughs> um, have you ever had any experiences of failure that you think have truly shaped you into who you are today? Of course. <laughs> any you're of willing course. to talk about? Yeah, so uh, <laughs> the one that I, like, I will talk the most about um, was I'm still learning from and learning about myself from. Um, so I, uh, I was selected when I was a, a first lieutenant to go to uh, a very elite army school called the U.S. Army Sapper School. When I went, only five or six females in the army had gone and only a very small few, like we're talking two or three, had actually graduated. Um, Sapper School is like, that's like the highest attrition rate for army schools, isn't it? Yes. It's crazy high. When I went, I was the only female in my entire cohort, um, which had its own, that had its own set of challenges, obviously. Uh, and it has a lot of really high end requirements just to even get there. So it's like a point of pride just to get there. Um, but when I went, um, you can, so Sapper School is unique. Ranger School, if you, Ranger School is pass or fail, period. Sapper school is pass or fail to graduate, but you have to have points to get the tab. So you can graduate Sapper school and get the certificate and everything, but you don't get to wear the tab on your uniform. Okay. So it's a little bit different. And that might have changed now. I've been out of the army for 14 years. So like, I think it, it's, it's probably changed. changed, but who knows? Anyway, when I went, it was, it was in like 2006 that I went. Um, but, um, I went and I went and I did all of the requirements and I was the only female who got two goes in the United States army. I was the only female who got two goes on field leadership. So we patrol. So patrolling, like where you're walking out in the woods for 10 days straight, like you live in the woods, you net, like you, we caught our own food. Like it's a, it's a thing. It's a whole survival thing. I was the only female to get two goes at that point in the army in the field. Yeah. That's a big deal. But I was two points shy of getting my tab. Oh my God. Two points. So they actually offered to graduate me and then let me recycle just the first phase where you get all your points yeah. to get the points because, like, I'm right there. Like, I'm right there. Um, but my unit had things popping and they couldn't afford to let me do that. Um, so that was a kick, yeah. like just, uh, because then it's like all the self-doubt creeps in and it's like two points, girl, you could have like anything one second faster on any, I mean, that's not really true, but that's how you're looking at it yeah. when you're in it. One test where you would have gotten one point, well, two tests where you would have gotten one point better, whatever it is, like starts to creep in. However, first of all, reflecting back. 
I made it to US Army Staffer School. I have the graduation certificate. I like my husband is like, you're a fucking sapper. Sorry, <laughs> might not be explicit, but like that's how we look at it. Put right? a little e-label on um, <laughs> so and then when I embraced that, like, yeah, you did everything, you met all the requirements, you just didn't get the tab, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, and thankfully I have leaders who also felt that way in my life to help. Um, but that started a fire, a flame in me. And um, I went on to do a lot of really cool stuff in the army. I had already done cool stuff in the army, like when I was a young platoon leader. And this was right after, so I got into the army. Six months later, I was in Iraq. A year later, I was at Sapper School. Like it was all, but then all sorts of cool opportunities came up and like, I worked in a lot of units that females traditionally would not work in. And I got to do a lot of really cool stuff, but it was because that little fire was in there. It was like, never leave doubt. Make sure if you put it on the floor, you put it all on the floor, like climb, climb the mountain, put the stake in, you know what I mean? So, um, so that's one that still, still hangs with me. And like now, but now I'm reflecting back. I'm like, why did I let that like eat me so much. And like, yeah. what does that mean for me? And like, what, how can I help others get the lesson of the flame, but without the hurt and other things that came with it, like self-inflicted, you know yeah. what I mean? So, um, but it's pretty cool. And it's just a sign, like an, a testament to like the type of leader or person or personality you have, like, can you overcome that? Can you move forward? Can you still take the good out of that? Yeah. And that's a goal for everything in life, any failure, any, anything. Yeah. So I look at it as a failure, though it is not really a failure, <laughs> but most of our failures in life, that's true. Oh, yeah. You look at it as a failure individually, but others would maybe not see it as a failure. Yeah. I mean, it's like what we talked about towards the beginning about how we always kind of end up putting that pressure on ourselves. Mm-hmm. And most of the time that pressure is coming from nobody other no than ourselves. But us. <laughs> and there's like, uh, like, that's a time I failed, but like fear of failure is an actual thing too. Like, and fear of failing can make you not take steps towards crippling. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But like, I literally just had a talk with one of my coaches today about some changes she wants to make in her life. And that's the best thing we can do for each other is like help each other identify like, but what's the worst case if you actually fail? Like what's the worst case? Cause 90% of it's just built up in our head. Like when you actually say it out loud and you're like, oh oh my God, like that's it. That's all that might happen (laughs) if I fail. Okay, I'm willing to now try because success far outweighs the failure. And even if you fail, you're going to learn a lesson that's going to help you get closer to success. Yeah, I feel like people have a tendency to, um, I don't know if I'm going to say this word right, catastrophize. And it's always, you know, worst case scenario of the worst case scenario of the worst case scenario. And that's just what we assume is going to happen. Yeah. But that's what we're taught. Even like we're taught that from very early on. And it's not by anyone like outright teaching you that, but it's just like words like money doesn't grow on trees. Like, okay, money actually does not grow on a tree. That is actually true. But like, that doesn't mean that that's, that you can't have money. Yeah or that you can't overcome a situation where maybe money was sparse and come into a situation where money is abundant. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's all sorts of ways that now that I'm into it and I'm like reflecting on 
why I think ways that I do, like, is it experience-based or is it just something that you accepted as a belief at some point in your life? That's not actually true. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, all right. Well, uh, Maybe one more thing to kind of wrap it up here. Yeah, this has gone all over the place. <laughs> it's, it's been fun though. It uh, has been a conversation. Yeah. Um, if you could go back and give your younger self advice, like teens, 20s, wherever you feel like you needed it the most, what would that advice be? Mm. I don't know if it would be advice, but it would be affirmation. Okay. You are worthy. You are good enough to be at whatever table you are at and you are going to succeed. That's what I would say. I love that. That's really cool. Yeah. Right. I get, but the cool part is I guess be around teams who are doing exactly that. Now yeah. And I love it. Oh, so. That's, that's such a cool opportunity that you have to be coaching teens and, and kids right in that kind of area of life where all the self-doubt comes in and it's mm -hmm. so hard to see it happening and you just get into this mindset of I'm not good enough I'm never going to be good enough look at all what all these other people are doing and social media just makes it a million so times much worse. worse yeah um but that's cool that you're in a position where you can actually truly help Mm -hmm. kids mm -hmm. yeah it's super cool <laughs> and set them up for it's success super cool. I mean we're gonna see a shift with society where that's gonna become more mainstream for all kids everywhere but I'm so grateful that I have an opportunity and I am in a industry and sport that has hard science that supports it yeah. like I can literally take a score from last year <laughs> and a score from this year and be like who cares what the haters say? Look what the like. What look at what the statistics say? Yeah. Look at what the science says. You're getting more fit. You're doing better. Like that's, that's pretty cool. cool. It's pretty cool. All right. Well, one final thing to close out. Okay. Um, so I have decided that I'm going to end every episode um, with one final, uh, not, not necessarily a question, but a request. Okay. Um, tell me your best dad joke. Oh yeah, you warned me that this is coming. Okay. <laughs> How do you get a Kleenex to dance? How do you get a Kleenex to dance? I don't know how. Put a little boogie in it. Oh, <laughs> and uh, I think we'll end with that. I love so, it. Thank you, Jill, for thank coming you. on. And uh, look out for episode two coming up soon. Woo! <laughs>